Hey everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of Battle of the Atom. This is your weekly X-Men podcast where we rank every story from get it, get it, A to Z. I'm Adam. And I... I'm Zach. Hi, Adam. Um, how you are seemed you? a little confused about that. Are you, 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 you good? No, see, I was just thinking in my head about all of the important leaders in my life that I could <laughs> uh, compare starting this podcast with you two. Uh, as a as a nice little way to frame my internal monologue. <laughs> you mean uh, you're going to pepper this episode with a variety of quotes from biographies that you've read of famous leaders? I just think Sun Tzu uh, in the Art of War <laughs> put it yes. put it this way, and mm-hmm. he said, "Give a man a reference, you'll feed him for a day. Teach a man <laughs> to reference, you'll feed him for a lifetime." Well, uh, we are. Definitely going to see our share of those with our first story. So um, what are we talking about and who asked for it? That's a good question. Hey, guys, you know that I don't think we've done an intro for people who don't um, know what the podcast is. Uh, Isn't that what you say at the start of every episode? Is it? I don't know. We're 245 episodes into this thing. That's a good point. Folks, we read three X-Men stories and we rank them on a big old list. That's what we do every episode. They're themed. Yes. What's the theme this week? The theme this week is Cyclops. Um, Yay! Cyclops is, as my as my youngest child will point out, Cyclops is your favorite. Hulk <laughs> is my favorite. That makes sense, you know? He's he's grumpy leader guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I get it. I get it. <laughs> I see. I see a lot of similarities between Scott Summer and myself. Uh, sure, but you know what? It's all right because I like Cyclops. He's a good. He's. Well, I don't want to say he's a good guy. Cyclops is a very interesting character and probably my favorite fictional character. Like, mm. I could read stories that Cyclops is in until I die, and you know, if I'm on the trajectory I'm currently on, if I stay the course. I believe Cyclops will outlive me. Oh, I'm I'm sure. I mean, the IP is is forever at this point uh, until the heat death of the sun. But uh, you know, we got we got three good ones this week, and we're gonna start off with one I had not read before. Uh, who requested this? So this request for this episode came to us from Patreon supporter Joseph Anthony Sanicandro. Uh, Joseph went on over to patreon.com slash comicsxf said, folks, love what you're doing. Think it's great. Your entire vibe, it's just really working for me. So how about <laughs> I reach deep into my heart and into my pocketbook and I toss a couple of coins into your coffers. And in, in return, could you guys talk about Brian K. Vaughn's uh, Cyclops 1 through 4 from the Marvel Icons? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so we've talked about one of these icons uh, before, right? And that was Chamber. Right, they did um, a Chamber series, a Cyclops series, a Nightcrawler series, and I believe an Iceman series. That's on the X-Men side. I know there was a The Thing series 
Also, mm. I don't know what all icons they did. Well, did Brian K. Vaughn do all of the X-Men ones or just the ones that we've read? Just the two that we've read coincidentally. All right. So here uh, on Battle of the Atom, we in the grand tradition of comics criticism uh, make sure that we talk about the art. We're not do- uh, <laughs> the thing. The thing is, Adam, you're making this reference and there's one of two possibilities here. One. <laughs> Because we record episodes about a week early, the discourse has already gone very far away and everyone has forgotten about the fact that Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, uh, six-time six-time NBA National Championship winner and Presidential Medal of Honor Freedom, or Presidential Medal of Freedom Award winner Kareem Abdul-Jabbar uh, did write about a Batman comic and not mention Brian Hitch and that got Brian Hitch real upset on Twitter and made all of our lives <laughs> bad over a weekend. But then good What's... because it was creep up told Jabbar who did it. I guess the other alternative is that by the time this comes out, the discourse is circled all the way around and we're having the conversation again. <laughs> yeah, except for this time Michael Phelps was like, hey, inkers are just tracing. <laughs> oh man. Uh, so Brian K. Vaughn is paired uh, with an interesting pairing here, Mark Teixeira and Jimmy Palmiotti. Um, Mark, you and... may know from 90s Ghost Rider. That's probably yeah, commercially yeah. most successful work. Uh, Jimmy Palmiotti, you may know from Saving Marvel Comics. <laughs> but Jimmy, I think, you know, as an inker, had been most closely associated with uh, inking Joe, Joe Quesada. Quesada. Yep. Um, you know which obviously worked it to his favor in his business dealings as well. But um, these guys are an interesting mix because Teixeira is very much uh, all about these sort of like very expressive characters that have exaggerated anatomy. And he often does, uh, you know, sort of these almost brushstrokey lines, um, you know, big, bold things. But it's kind of, messy and 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 sketchy in a lot of ways you know um but but jimmy on the other hand is used to doing this very very tight refined work with casada's line work so it's cool to see them combine and i really like the art in these four issues even if the story is a little bit on the light side (laughs) i i like the art i don't love the art i think the art is very it's very moody and it is fitting with it's very fitting with what the X-Men were trying to be in October of 2001. Like this yeah, is Yeah, this is firmly in the Morrison era. This is we are kicking off a new era. We are doing in the Morrison E is for Extinction. We are doing the uh Joe Casey run of Uncanny. We are doing these things. Mm-hmm. And this this fits right in with that. It is a bold new take on the franchise. And, and yet, I think it makes sense to focus on Cyclops <laughs> right there at the start. Yeah. Um, well, you gotta, you gotta, you know, talk about this very first page. And uh, <laughs> you were joking about the quoting of leaders of the past, but um, in, in much in the way that the Dixie Chicks, uh, you know, sort of canceled themselves uh, from the country music scene by criticizing the Iraq War and George W. Bush, um, Cyclops makes an interesting choice on page one. <laughs> Page one, panel one, first text box is a quote saying Ronald Reagan said the best leaders fill themselves with the smartest people in the room. 
uh, but they aren't very smart or something like that. And then he says, and that's why I never vote Republican. And listen, I don't think Scott Summers likes Ronald Reagan. I don't like Ronald Reagan. However, people who aren't, people who are like just younger than me pretty much may not understand the amount of don't criticize the president that was going on on September 12th, 2001 and lasted until 2006, somewhere around there. You know, until... Until we elected little, a, a, a black man, you know. Well, no, no, no. I, I like, I like to think that the cur- the corner was turned on George W. Bush between during his second term, like midway through there. People were like, Maybe "Oh wait, they, actually, this guy does suck." <laughs> when they threw the shoe at him, Hell uh, no, dude. Geez. I'm glad. I'm glad. Guy who threw threw a shoe at George W. Bush loves to remind people that he threw a shoe at George W. Bush. Like anytime <laughs> someone's talking about it, it's like. That one was me. I did it. <laughs> I mean, if you have the opportunity, right? I get it. I get it. Secret Service, if you're listening, don't. <laughs> don't listen to this podcast. It's definitely not going to talk about crimes. So uh, that is a trend in these four issues is both uh, Cyclops and his antig- antagonist, who we'll get into a uh, character named Ulysses, uh, both quoting from a variety of of past leaders including sun tzu as you mentioned earlier to diminishing returns you know to start each issue maybe with a quote is fine but to continue doing it 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 has a little bit of a god loves man kills two vibe with the bible verses it's brian k vaughn is a talented writer sure but this is weird right like brian k vaughn had already started why the last man at this point like Mm. vaughn had like gotten his feet this isn't like 1996 brian k vaughn where he's picking up a few things here or there he knew what he was doing and he still did this one bad like i don't know if he leaned into it to start and then he realized halfway through the first script that no one was going to stop him and maybe they should have <laughs> uh, but it's his very cyclops, possible his cyclops loves thinking about what other leaders would do in a situation mm-hmm. and comparing himself to them, which I actually think is very in character for Cyclops. It's also very grating to read the way it's written out. Yeah. I mean, it's one of my pet peeves in general is people speaking in quotations. Uh, I've talked about that before on the show. Um, I think it also, you know, doesn't help that the most interesting and fun part of this story is the beginning when we get cameos from Black Tom and the juggernaut who have come to attack Cyclops on behalf of this mysterious Ulysses character. And then we don't really see them again ever uh, no. for the rest of the four issues. It's really sad because they are delightful still. They really are. And their exit is great because they're in a plane that's going to crash. And then Cyclops tells Juggernaut to hug Black Tom as good as he can. like yep. So that his force field will save him or whatever. But it is very funny to say... <laughs> Black Tom, hug Juggernaut really good. And it's like, <laughs> these guys love each other, and I'm so happy for them. It seems like, it seems like now that Kane may be coming to Krakoa soon, yeah. uh, that they can they can uh, get some time to connect a bit more. And I'm so I happy hope so. Honestly, I hope so. Honestly, Juggernaut has quietly been having a pretty good run uh, during mm-hmm. this era. I think, if you guys didn't read it, the Fabian Nicieza miniseries for juggernaut was not like astonishingly good but it was like pretty darn good 
also mm-hmm. had the best use of the Immortal Hulk outside of the Immortal Hulk. Uh, <laughs> so check that out, and then check out the uh, Infinite comic that Nisiesa and uh, who was it? Was it Matt Horick? I honestly it don't was. Know. It was. Off, uh, off, it off, was. Off. It was a Deadpool and Juggernaut comic that's a sequel to that miniseries. Great to read. Go check those out. Yeah. So unfortunately, issues two through four do not have Juggernaut. Um, they don't. And they involve the basic plot of this story is that there is this uh, former military commander named Ulysses um, who has decided that Cyclops is somehow responsible for the deaths of his, you know, soldiers um, as part of a, a battle with some supervillains. Cyclops is basically like, dude, you got the wrong guy. Uh, we would never have, you know, purposefully hurt, hurt these people, but Ulysses has like done experiments on himself or whatever. So he's super strong, super fast. He's also super dumb and uninteresting. He is, uh, Vaughn is going for a, uh, like a, the Odyssey kind of th- illusions with all of this stuff. Cause there's a Cyclops and a Ulysses mm-hmm. and all of this. Here's the, here's the core problem is that. Um, I've seen Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? And this isn't Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? <laughs> I've not read uh, The Odyssey. I got, I have the gist. I got the gist. Long guy, soldier coming back home from war gets very lost. I get yeah. it. Yeah, it also doesn't help that the th- entire third issue is like a side quest through a cave to defeat a Savage Land monster. With yeah, some, the, like... third, the third issue that is... Brian K. Vaughn literalizing the saying that in the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king. Yep. That, yeah. That's what he's doing the whole time. It's really kind of annoying, Brian. Like, we get it. <laughs> um, yeah, so he's sort of hitting you on the head uh, with this stuff. I, I just don't think it's very interesting. We finally get to the final issue. Ulysses has some other sh- uh, soldiers that are fighting with him who then Cyclops is able to kind of rationalize with and be like, look, Ulysses almost just like killed a kid fighting me. He doesn't, he doesn't care about any of this stuff. Uh, and they take Ulysses down end of the story. Cyclops learned a lesson, I guess. Uh, I don't know what it was. And (laughs) it's, it's weird because like the inciting incident for this is Cyclops has to leave the, uh, X mansion because professor X says Cyclops, you need to take a vacation. Right. And this isn't actually like a suggestion. This is me telling you, you are taking a vacation now, which I think is a very astute, like, oh, yeah, Brian K. Vaughn gets Cyclops. He does understand the character really well, mm-hmm. um, that this guy's filled with self-doubt uh, and keeps comparing himself to others and trying to build himself up to be this great leader that everyone expects him to be. Uh, and refuses to quit because he knows if he slows down even a little bit, then he might miss the mark and not be the person that he's tr- supposed to be. And it's just paired with a bad plot. Yeah. Brian he K. Vaughn can write the, a good plot. Like, Yeah, he, he gets the good character, and he, he's flying high through the first issue. But uh, once you realize what the, you know, the event that spurs on our uninteresting supervillain is it's, it's just not that interesting. Um, so I did find just the, the art combination interesting here. The story aside from uh, the black Tom juggernaut stuff, I found a little lacking, so we should probably rank this. Yeah. If you're talking about ranking, then you're probably talking about our big old list, which is the lifeblood of this podcast. Adam, Mm -hmm. we are, uh, we have ranked 624 X-Men stories from best to worst 
on this list. The best X-Men story is the House of X and the Powers of Ten. Uh, number 100 is X-Men Black Emma Frost. Uh, number 200 is Power Pack 19. Guess who's coming to dinner? Uh, number 300 <laughs> on our list is uh, They Keep Killing Madrox from X-Factor. Number 400 is the Lord Darkwind Saga from Daredevil. Number 500 is An Age Undreamed Of from Uncanny X-Men. That's the cool on Gath story and don't at me about it. Um, number <laughs> 600 is Dazzler X-Song. Uh, and the Draco's at the bottom. Adam. Yes. We oddly don't have... I say oddly, but it's. I don't think it's actually that odd for X-Men. We don't have a lot of solo stuff on this list. Nope. Uh, X-Men is a team sport. So I am already looking down towards the the 400 but but I'm thinking maybe in the 300s here for this story. What, what do you think? I'm looking I'm seeing like uh 407 is mm-hmm. Aurora before the storm, 402 is Psylocke uh volume 1 or volume only volume. I think this is better than both of those. The art adds a lot to this because it is interesting uh there there is fun to be had in these four issues it's just not sure. a ton of fun to be had no and I, I don't think this is as good as at 394 we have death of x i think that's a much better mini yeah uh this is probably on par with x core from uh the joe casey uncanny x-men of this time I would agree, but I think X-Core would take uh, the lead there. So this is probably our, what, our 402? Yeah, this will go right above the Psylocke miniseries. Uh, It's Cyclops, Volume 1. Very cool. Um, Now, we are going to fast forward on the Cyclops timeline here uh, through to the end of Avengers vs. X-Men. And before you ask, wait a minute, haven't you already covered that before? Um, this is a mini that I didn't even know about, and I'm so glad I read. Did it's you really not a... know about this one? No, I, I'd never heard of this one. Uh, Avengers vs. X-Men Consequences. Yeah, this is written by Kieran Gillen. Uh, so Gillen was the head writer uh, of Uncanny X-Men at the time, but was not one of the Marvel architects that put together no uh, AVX. <laughs> He did get the uh, he did get the ending series that he could wrap up his uncanny X Men run with. <laughs> that's that's what this is. Yeah. This is hey Kieran, here's five issues. Can you take like I don't know fifty percent of them and wrap wrap up a few other lingering plot points, but mostly just do a bit more with your uncanny X Men run. Yeah, that's exactly what this is. Um, we have. Uh, Five different artists on this. Tom Rainey does issue one. Steve Kurth does issue two. Steve uh, Scott Eaton on three. Mark Brooks goes on uh, issue four. And we we finish very strong uh, with an issue by Gabriel Hernandez-Walta. Yeah, this came out weekly at the time. And mm. that, was a, that was a big, big kind of push. It was a... It was definitely a bridge series uh, through this, uh, but one that I think does a lot. So, you know, at the end of at the end of IV, or AVX, Cyclops made some bad choices, <laughs> to and say the least. When you declare yourself God King of the World, in mm-hmm. your world has Avengers. It's just, it's just. There's other ways, Scotty. Well. Scotty, you were right. <laughs> 
for a very long time until you were wrong. You can't do a fascism, buddy. Even a benevolent well, fa- fascism. Still not great. And the, and the question remains here is whose actions took out Charles Xavier? Is it really Cyclops? Is it, uh, is it the Dark Phoenix um, that was infesting him at the time? And it doesn't matter because now Cyclops has a big clunky helmet on and has been put into his very own wing of a jail. Not a prison. Not just a prison, but a privatized prison. Yes. Because... That's important. Because the government has already realized that, oh, if there's a lot of mutants back, we're going to be putting a lot of them in jail. Uh, And we're going to make a lot of money off of it. we got to find a way to profit off of this oppressed group. Uh, Mm -hmm. Gillen is not being subtle in this comic. (laughs) Not at all. Not at all. And I love it. Um, you know, where the artwork, I think, kind of suffers for the first three issues, the writing still really does shine. Um, you get these great confrontations between Scott and uh, Wolverine coming to visit. Um, I think there's a... Is, does Beast come and talk to him? Uh, no, Beast point? doesn't. Uh, Iron Man does. Maybe that's an Iron Man. Thank you. Uh, so we're, we're getting all of these interactions. Now there's also some things along the line here that are going to lead into like cable and the X-Force by Dennis hopeless. And all of this is pushing towards where Bendis will launch with all new X-Men. But what's really interesting about this series is that the way in which Gillen wraps it up really does speak to this idea of cyclops as this like revolutionary in a way that i think we've spoken in the past on this show that bendis always kind of avoided a little bit yeah you know no it's 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 interesting because gillen has in his mind in his take of cyclops here that he truly he did all this for mutant kind and knowing that his goal was achieved that mutants are back for the most part Mm -hmm. and that what it cost him was his soul he is fine to be a martyr. He is fine to he is fine to kill himself for the greater good or have himself die. He nearly has a death wish for most of this comic until another mutant who is in the jail is killed in a hate crime. White supremacists killed this guy and right. it snaps something in Cyclops to make him realize we're going to still be hated and feared and somebody has to do something about it. And I've got to stop wallowing in self-pity about these actions. And I have to, like, if I don't do it, then who is? Because he doesn't trust the X-Men anymore. He doesn't trust almost anybody. He doesn't, he's broken his relationship with Emma. He has pretty much all of his friends from the X-Men are gone. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's down to, what's very interesting in this book, it's down to Magneto. Right. Magic, who we like magic now and we think she's fine. Gillen what Gillen and uh you know, writers before him, Zeb Wells especially, was writing her as very evil and wicked. Like mm-hmm. now she's just a shimbo and we love it. Uh she was like a she was not a good person in the Kieran Gillen run. Great character, evil. And then danger is... the living danger room. <laughs> the right. living danger room slash abolitionist. Because danger now hates prisons. Well, and that's what's what's really interesting about this is that it really sets up this dynamic of Cyclops versus the carceral state, 
And it culminates in the fifth issue, which, you know, we've spoken so highly of Walta before. Fantastic but artist. When when Cyclops realizes well, there's this there's this really cool thing that's that um they do throughout the the mini, which is that Cyclops has this like I what what is it? It's, it's like the like stuff this, inside of Wooly Willy. Yeah, it's it's like little metal shavings. powder, metal shavings. like grains or something, right? Metal shavings. Yeah, and he just you know dumps them on the ground, and we don't know what the hell he's doing. Like it's kind of unclear about what that is. And at a certain point, you realize, oh, this is how Magneto is going to communicate with Scott. And when you realize that they are going to break him out, and it is done in the most amazing sequence where these giant hands come out of the ground and start just tearing this place oh, yeah, apart. Yeah, uh, magic, magic's like, hey, I'm a demon sorceress. Here's some demons. <laughs> uh, they level the prison. And it is like an amazing sequence where at the very end, you know that Cyclops probably wants to kill the prison warden and decides instead to scar him with an X across his face. And it does beg, I I brought this up on Twitter and I think a lot of people misunderstood that I thought I was trash talking Bendis. Um, But it does beg the question of where Gillen might've taken the revolutionary version of Cyclops in those years after, because it sets up the revolutionary version of Cyclops with these other like borderline very dark characters Mm -hmm. and like what was that going to look like beasts vendetta against cyclops and his fear of cyclops that leads to the oh five being brought to the present it makes a lot more sense if you've read this miniseries it just doesn't it just doesn't make as much sense when all you get in all new x-men is cyclops uh broke a mutant out from police custody that doesn't seem (laughs) that bad they save Eva Bell, and it's like, well, that's what that's what he's supposed to be doing, right? Guys, I don't know like, if you've met Rusty Collins, but he was in he was in a worse shape than Eva. Like, uh, just you know, I really enjoyed this, and it surprised me because you know I don't think I was really giving it too much credit because uh, it's an AVX you know, tie-in that you'd never heard of. Well. <laughs> AVX tie-in, the art is kind of middling for the first half, but, you know, if you read the whole thing, it has this, like, very cool character sweep and this epic finale um, that, I you know, it gives so much more context to what I think some people might think of as a narrative whole for leading into the Bendis era. It works um, really well, uh, especially on something like this. It was a weekly series coming out at the end of abx so you got it quickly you got to transition into a new era and like i'm so glad that gillen is back friend of the show kieran gillen we can say that now yeah i'm so glad that gillen is back in the x office because he obviously had more in the tank he gets to wrap up a lot of fun little things in here there's a there's a part where abigail brand gets a fun moment of actually helping cyclops and the x-men uh-huh mm-hmm on things because she's half mutant and she's saying, well, listen, mutants got to like survive. And now, now she's against them, which is shows, which if it still feels in character with the Abigail brand as written in sword and in, uh, uh, X-Men red, like she's just, 
she's looking at different things and Abigail Brand is never going to let anyone stand in her way. There's, no. there's great stuff with hope. There's a really good scene, I think with storm and Colossus. Uh, oh yeah. Where that one's good. Colossus is very depressed and living in the mountains and making, making sculptures out of rock of his sister who he's very mad at, uh, mm-hmm. and then punching them very hard. <laughs> he's, he's got a little bit to work out. You get pretty much everyone except for Namor in the core cast. You get a moment with. Well, no, even then, Hope has a moment with Namor. Yes, Namor is there for for a brief cameo. Yeah, um, you get you get Gillen saying goodbye and saying his piece with just about everybody in his on his team. Uh, so it's fun. Extinction I'm squad. Glad. The extinction <laughs> squad. Oh man, I'm excited to see what happens. I'm excited to see what happens as. We continue some extinction level events uh, around everything. <laughs> uh, it'll be good. What should we? What so should I've, we do about this comic book? I've highlighted one ninety, which is the first three issues of Wolverine and the X Men. I like this better I than that. This, I think this is better than that. So I, I think we're in uh, the top two hundred here. We are in the top two hundred. Uh, this is probably better than Battle of the Atom. Uh, yes, I would agree. That's at one seventy five. I think this is probably better than last will and testament at 160 i think it's right around there because 162 yeah. is assault on weapon plus and i think assault on weapon plus is right on the level that you'd want like okay i think avengers world 17 is better and that's at 159 i think uh uncanny x-men warpath the warpath 193 is better that's a couple spots up from there below that we have wolverine snicked and assault on weapon plus yeah, I mean, uh, we also have Kitty's fairy tale here at one sixty three, but I think this is saying more. It so, is saying more than Kitty's fairy tale. You know yeah. how I feel about Chris Bachelow, and that's going to be my that's going to be my bugabear here. I I got <laughs> art, I actually did find some very inexpensive Chris Bachelow art featuring gold balls, and I'm so thrilled about it. I'm excited for you. I'm, it's I right believe... here. It's right here behind my head. You can't see it, list, dear listener. And also Adam can't because it's far away and there's a plant there. Uh, I have seen it. I have seen it, it before you put a plant in front of it. <laughs> the plant the plant has actually always been in that spot the plant was there first i've become a plant person now people please respect me in my time of need Ooh, i need a water that i haven't gotten to water them while i've been gone i think assault, i agree i i'm gonna put assault yeah, weapon I, plus i think it's i think assault's stronger i agree uh so this is gonna be our new 163 yeah right above kitty's fairy tale yeah great showing there good job avx consequences yeah and if folks just missed that like me I, I don't know if it just wasn't part of whatever AVX trade I read. It um, wasn't. It, it it has its own separate trade. Yeah. Check it out. So we're going to go from there to a Bendis era mini, not mini, but it, I guess solo series. It was a solo that, series. It was the Cyclops solo series from that era, which was interesting. So folks may not know. Everyone's like, well, the X-Men don't do solo books. Uh, or, oh, the last time they did solo books, uh, they didn't support them. Well, when this book launched, it launched at the same time as a bunch of Marvel books in general, but also a Magneto solo book, a Storm solo mm-hmm. book, a Nightcrawler solo book, and a Dupe solo book. <laughs> Some of those are better than others. But this one is by Greg Rucka, and at least for the first three issues, we get uh, Russell Dodderman. We get uh, new pre- comics pre-four. artists. First time comics artist Russell Dodderman 
for three yeah. issues before they say, what are you doing on a Cyclops solo book? You're relaunching <laughs> Thor with Jason Aaron, which is, at the time, one of the hottest books in Marvel. They took him from a nothing gig to the biggest stage they could. Yeah. So fast. The, we're covering the first five issues here now. They took Daughterman off this book so fast, uh, <laughs> for good reason, and uh, replaced uh, Russell with Carmen Carnero uh, for the last two. We're also getting these very dramatic painted covers by Alexander Lozano, um, which I think are interesting, and I don't know if they really fit the story, but they're kind of cool anyway. They don't. I don't love the covers, but that's... I, I can see the craftsmanship in the covers. It's a very me problem. Like, they just don't hit me where I live. I can appreciate them. I don't like them. And before we talk about the story, we should just point out that this is Cyclops Volume 3 because there is a Cyclops Volume 2 that was, what, a single issue? It's a one-issue thing they were doing. I couldn't tell you what happens in it. I don't know either. I've uh, read it. But... I don't remember. It has, it has a weird, like... It's got a weird, like, when they were doing the X-Men First Class and they were updating the Silver Age costumes, kind of. Mm, it has one of those okay. covers. I don't love it. Yeah. Well, uh, the lead-in to this is that uh, Cyclops has left the future forward 05 to go hang out with his dad. Oh, yeah, he finds out his met. dad's alive and a space pirate. And then he quickly realizes a few things. One, that Corsair is alive. It didn't mm -hmm. actually come back to Earth. So nope. Cyclops, who at this point has spent eight years in uh, you know, the Essex home for wayward boys or whatever it is, he has some resentment about that because those were not the best years for young Scotty. Uh, no, 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 no. And we've seen adult Scott uh, you know, deal with this stuff in the past, but we have not seen teen scott deal with any of this because he didn't even know the corsair was alive so uh now that he is on a spaceship with his dad who's like a weird space pirate and his weird space pirate girlfriend who's also kind of a squirrel like she's, a, he's she's either out. a cat or a skunk depending on who you ask <laughs> i love but, Heb but, but like pretty good reason to be like freaked out you know he's You've never you're in space with weirdos. He's coming to terms with the idea of his dad being different than the reality of his dad. Mm -hmm. uh, Absolutely. And that's a very human story, I think. For everyone to understand as you grow that your parents are people and not mm -hmm. these mythical beings that you built right. up in your head, even as like a teenager sometimes. You can have mm -hmm. that, and it took. It takes a bit to realize. Oh, this is just they're just people, and that's a hard realization for a lot of people, myself included. Uh, sure. To get through, and Cyclops has to deal with that early. He also gets to deal with fun with his dad. Like he gets mm -hmm. to do jetpacks and do some heists. <laughs> yeah, he's training with his sword, and he's going off on all of these little side quests. Um, however, he quickly begins to suspect that his dad is a junkie. Um, but what he does not realize is that he is ingesting nanobots that are keeping him alive after he died uh, in the rise and fall of the Shi'ar Empire. Yeah, because he comes back unexplained during uh, the trial of Jean Grey arc. Right. Yep. And, you know, Cyclops is like, oh, this is this is medicine. 
that you uh, that's very difficult to get. And they, uh, you know, they have to get that from shady places. And frankly, listen, Corsair does do drugs. Do not get it wrong. <laughs> Corsair absolutely does drugs. Um, but that's not his main issue. His big issue is that they do get uh, marooned on a planet. Uh, just, just Cyclops and Corsair. And Corsair's got 27 days worth of medicine left or else he will die. First of all, it's... We didn't talk about Donnerman's artwork here, but from page one, absolutely staggering artwork. Two-page spreads that all over the place that are, like, doing these amazing Dutch angles with, like, panels that look like they're shattering. He's already experimenting with all of the stuff that is going to make the Mighty Thor run really just, like, so memorable, it's right? Gonna, it's going to make us think that Jason Aaron's a good writer. <laughs> uh so there's that you know unfortunately the last two issues where they are stranded on this planet do not have daughterman i do wish he had finished the arc however props to uh carmen carnero for uh picking it up i think that the coloring by chris sotomayor does a great job in keeping a you know a through line a so that we feel job. like we're reading we're, we feel like we're reading the same book. And Carnero, um, Carnero for for her part, is keeping much tighter lines than you'll see from other work of hers. Mm-hmm. Uh, trying to emulate some of the visual stylings that Dottoman brought to the book. Uh, yeah. And I think that works pretty well. Carnero, obviously, now is one of Marvel's bigger artists. They're really pushing her work, and I really enjoy it. I think she's fantastic. It took her a bit longer to find her artistic voice. Like I don't think I don't think she figures out what she wants to be until like maybe the X-Men Red Book a couple of years later. I also, you know, just this this is flying high um but I think that that it ends a little bit poorly. The way they get off of the planet is by um, repairing a beacon, which is kind of cool. You know, there's this whole like dad bonding thing that's happening um, because we, what, what is good is we get this confrontation scene between Cyclops and Corsair where Cyclops mm-hmm. is basically like, why didn't you come back for us? Which is the right to thing get... to be asking Corsair. And I know if I'm Corsair, <laughs> I'm like, yes, Scott. Oh, okay. It. So <laughs> I have already had this heart to heart with you like twice and we moved past it. So I, I, didn't your time traveling it's hard for me to like remember which one what all we've talked about i get it this is still raw for you let me let me bring this back and let you know what's going on this is the whole thing good news you do get over it bad news you have to have this conversation again (laughs) absolutely uh so to get off the planet they do bring uh this group of bounty hunters in and uh you know, we get to see the differences between Cyclops' leadership approach and Corsair's. Uh, and they here's, have to here's sort of bind them to get know. off the planet. For people who don't know, Corsair's leadership is Star-Lord in the movie Guardians of the Galaxy. And Cyclops' <laughs> leadership is Star-Lord in the comic, the Guardians of the Galaxy, that was inspired by the movie. Or that the movie that inspired the movie, he's Annihilation era Star Lord, and uh, Corsair is Chris Pratt era Star Lord, which is a fun combination to deal with. It does every time there's a Star Jammer story, I sit there and think should have been them, should have we 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 could have Ch- owed 
uh, instead of Drax, <laughs> and it would be great, and everyone would like it. Everyone would enjoy it. And now you can't do a Star Jammers thing because they're going to be like, oh, look at this. It's the knockoff Guardians of the Galaxy. And it's like, they were there first. They did it first. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I think technically the Guardians of the Galaxy from the 60s or whatever came first. No one cares about those ones. Uh, no, they are not in the movie. Oh, they are. They're um, in the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Oh, yeah. See, right? that's think, that's the level yeah. that no one cares about them. Sylvester Stallone is one of them in that movie. I forgot about that. As is Miley okay. Cyrus? I'm sorry. Did you not I, know Miley that, Cyrus was in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2? I gotta go back and watch that No, scene, you're okay. You don't have to. It's not very good. <laughs> Michael Rosenbaum, who played uh, Lex Luthor in Smallville, the Superman show that was afraid to be a Superman show, also in that as... I don't know. The one that's an Martin X, the ice guy. The one that's not Kristar, the crystal warrior. I just remember Michelle Yao being in there for like a hot second. Yeah, that's the same scene that Miley Cyrus is in. Okay. She's the voice of a robot thing. Cool. Oh, okay. So you don't see her. No. Okay. That, that's why I don't remember it. Welcome um, to Guardians of the Galaxy absolutely... 2 Talk. How are, we, uh, how are we doing, folks? Are we all excited <laughs> for Thor Love and Thunder? That trailer should be coming any day now, right? So, uh, you know, the, the way they actually end up getting off the, the planet is just kind of bleh. Um, but it, you know, it's just a reset so that they can go off on more adventures and Corsair can continue to live. I'm really curious what happened to this series because it was not promoted as a five-issue mini, but Greg Pock wrote five issues and got out. Greg, 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 Greg Rock, excuse me. Greg Pock did the Storm solo. At That's the right. same time. I get I get yep. those two Gregs mixed up for these very specific contextual reasons. Rucka got out. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's because they, they pulled uh, Dodderman so quickly. It was like, hey, um, so your series isn't good enough for, for our boy Russell. Which, listen, <laughs> I understand. And probably the right call. Uh, but this, yep. is, this is a good series. It's not phenomenal. I think there's a little bit of clunkiness to it. That the resolution of this ends just doesn't end great there's a whole weird thing with a lady who's like an indentured servant that corsair says it's more honorable for her to that she stayed with her master than to escape which i feel like is a weird incongruent thing but it is what it is and it doesn't really linger there it's just like a weird the line itself is like oh this that's the difference between like something and honor and i'm like one, in general, that line's not very good. And then two, she was a slave, right? That'll, you didn't think this one through. Give it a second Give it a second pass. Give it a second pass. Yeah, absolutely. So I don't think that this is as good, first of all, as AVX Consequences. I agree. Um, so this isn't I'm bad, looking... though. No, it's not. But I think the main attraction is those first three issues and the amazing art of Daughterman. Uh, it's not necessarily, you know, that the story is super deep or, you know, super memorable. Well, I was, so, so I was looking and you had it highlighted right around the 200s. We actually have a good amount of solos. We got the Rogue solo from the 90s, uh, the right. Shatterstar solo from not that long ago, and the Bishop solo uh, between 204 and 215. And then right below that, we've got uh, Madripoor Knights at 268. Yep. Uh, and mm-hmm. that Madripoor Knights, Madripoor Knights is better than this. Oh, absolutely. Um, I was going to go lower than that. Um, but I think this is better than at 235, the Negative Zone War. I agree. Um, this is probably better than 231, Extraordinary X-Men Kingdom's Fall. Yep. Um, 
I would say 226 Ultimate Comics X-Men World War X is better than this. I would agree with that. Ooh, great, great one. Uh, Trial of yeah. Jean Grey's at 230. Oh. This is better than Trial yeah. of Jean Grey? No. I think it's right there I then. I think, it's I think right the artwork in Trial of, of Jean Grey tops this. Um, Let's put it right between that and Kingdom's Fall then. That's our spot. Great. This is 231. Okay. Perfect. Cyclops doing pretty good this episode. Cyclops, a good character. I don't know if people realize this. He's great. Um, I love him so much, and I hope he makes good choices in the future. Um, we'll see. He's a great. If Captain it needs Krakoa. to be done, he uh, will get it done. If it needs doing, then it will be done. That is important. That's the line. Say. Thank you. It's okay. We've been we've been not saying famous quotes right this entire episode, which I think is very funny. And that was not a meta joke <laughs> at Brian K. Vaughn's expense. That's just us being dinguses. It happens. It happens. What else happens? Uh, great question. Glad I could answer it. Uh, it's thanking Joseph Anthony Sanacandro uh, for supporting us on the Patreon. Uh, if you want to be like Joseph, go on over, do that thing, and it'll be cool. If you don't have the funds to support ComicsXF, that's okay. I get it. You get it. It's weird times. Leave us a rating or a review. Like, on Spotify, hit those five stars if you're on that mobile. If you're on uh, the Apple the apple series of devices give us give us a nice little review we'd love to hear them uh if you use other podcast services no one no one cares about their ratings i'm very sorry to hear that or to tell you that folks but it's really just those two that are driving the vast majority of traffic in terms of discoverability everything else is like yeah i know about this podcast but i like i like podcast better as a player so i'm just going to put the rss in there i get it no, no shame, but hey, if you have an iPod account, go go click on that, and then maybe download Mambo Number no. Five for ninety nine cents. Are are songs still ninety nine cents from the App Store? Is that still a thing? I don't think people do that anymore. Do people download songs? I don't know. I don't. I don't think people do that anymore. I was an early adopter to Spotify in the U.S., <laughs> so I haven't downloaded a song since two thousand and ten been a while i haven't been doing it on a regular basis for so long since my last ipod died so i miss i'm my not iPod. sure i truly do the ipod classic was great and i understand <laughs> that intellectually i can get all of the music in a device that also mm. gives me all of the knowledge in the world don't know if that's true though we don't have to go on this tangent right now we but really I don't know for, a f- know for a fact that what was on my ipod and the iPod before it is definitely not on streaming. Oh, I've got you know? a couple. So. I've got a couple of songs that I downloaded <laughs> that I swear I could never find that I got from the MySpaces and the pure volumes of the world. <laughs> we'll never be able to find those songs again. They're lost to the ether. Beautiful <laughs> memories that live on only in my mind. Adam, what do you got oh, going man. on? Uh, you can always follow me on Twitter at Arthur Stacy, and uh, we have a companion episode to this one coming up next week, don't we? It's coming up next week for all of you, and in 10 minutes after a bathroom break for me and Adam, because we're going to go <laughs> right in and talk about the Star Jammers uh, for another good hour. So very excited about that. Very fun. Everyone enjoys it. This has been Battle of the Atom. We hope you survived the experience. Get it!